Doc, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast. Thanks for your time. Thanks for the invite. No, it's always it's always a, a privilege and a pleasure to get a fellow rock on the show. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough, our paths have crossed before. I uh, have they? Yeah, because you were out. You took over us on Herrick Seventeen, didn't you? The Fifteen squad. Yes, yes, I did. Because Stu Robinson and his crew come out as my as as BCRs for my depleted call sign. Ah, uh, got you. And then, got yeah. And you're more than aware of what happened to to Robbo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, I got uh, I got to listen to it. Uh, yeah. Being being the uh, squadron signaller on the day, it was. Uh... Yeah, I, I was going to mention that, buddy, because you know I, I spoke to the signallers after what happened at Bastion, and they're like that. To know you coped, you know the the net was just mental. Because how can you stay so calm and focused? Yeah, it's a. It was. It was. It was very tricky, and um, I've uh, mentioned it a few times. Like um, for me personally, it was it was difficult, but I also had to deal with every single major incident that Fifteen Squadron had. So yeah, yeah. so whether it was the rocket attacks, um, contact uh, IEDs, small arms, all that, it just happened to be every time I was in the hot seat. Like it was it was fucking just unreal. It was like, what am I going to get today? Well, you know (laughs) the guys, the guys on my flight. Every time we used to go out as a as a a a complete patrol, they used to run a book on uh, how quick will the Sarge's multiple get contacted because it was like (laughs) a running theme. Yeah, and it was it was relentless. Herrick sixteen for us, it was it was the height of the fighting season, the height of what was going on in Afghanistan at the time. It was mental, mate. Is I've never seen anything so kinetic, you know, and I've been to some pretty uh, contested areas. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a sec, but just to answer your question, and as cheesy as this sounds, I was quite lucky in the fact of the training that we had in the build-up to to that Herrick. Um, we did extensive work in in different sort of avenues of what it's like to work in the Siege Rock. It was the first time I ever did it. Um I was always, I was a flight signaller before that and and all that sort of stuff. That's that's different, like. Um, but I have to hats off to uh, Sergeant Brown, Sergeant Sam Brown. Um, yeah, he, he prepped us really well. In fact, I told him to fuck off many a time in the practice yeah. runs. Um, he certainly would not hear you because his ears are massive. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but, Sam, yeah. if you ever going to listen to this. Yeah, but ge- but generally it was down to the training, and as you know, you know. You, you train hard to fight easy, so this is it, mate. And we're exactly the same on, the, on our our build up to going out on the Herrick sixteen. Yeah, exactly the same. You, you, you train that way for a specific reason. Mm. So you know when the shit does hit the fan, you're yeah, in exactly. autopilot mode, so to speak. But it's it's crazy, isn't it? Because you know the ref reg don't live the wire, and <laughs> mate, if, well, if only people really knew what we actually did. You know I, mean? I know well, it's madness, isn't it? <laughs> I, I take it with a pinch of salt these days and I, I literally well when I when I was still in I, I would I was reg 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 I'd, I'd flash if people started giving us shit it'd be like you don't know what we do uh. but now I'm just like oh cool any new banter or are you just going to stick with the same oh okay nothing new alright cool we'll just crack on shall we you've only got to look at some of the others they aren't doing an awful lot either so you know it swings and roundabouts yeah exactly and, well, and it's um, all 
It's all light-hearted banter at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is exactly it. It's, I wouldn't have it any other way now. A bit of banter, it doesn't hurt anyone. What made, you, um, what made you go down the avenue of the, the Rap Ridge? Uh, so, you know, uh, so I was looking for something to do in my civvy job, out, out with my civvy job at the time. And I went along to, oddly enough, to um, an army TA centre in Nimbus at the time. Uh, and uh, so I went along to one of their training evenings and I was like, I couldn't believe how disorganised it was, how dysfunctional it was. Uh, I was like, nah, nah, I don't think this is for me. Then I saw an advert for the RF Regiment Reserve Squadron at Lossie. 2622. So I went along to their open day. I thought, you know what, this kind of fits me a bit better. Uh, so I did that. I joined them. I did it four years part time and I got such a. Uh, I enjoyed it that much, you know, because I went various places around the world with them. Uh, and I thought, you know what, I quite fancy did this on a full time basis. So I went along to the Army, uh, well, the Armed Forces Careers Office, as it is now. Uh, so I want to join the Rough Edge at that. Sure, do you want to be a fireman? No. Sure, do you want to be an went, No, no, I'm already a, an RF regiment part time gunner, so I want to go full time. Is that? No, oh, I, I can't persuade you. So, yeah. And then uh, I joined up full time a couple of months later after my uh, pre screening. I didn't have to go attend and do the, the attendance or the, the pre course because I was already serving. Yeah. <laughs> so I got on to my first day at, at RAF Halton when we got met off the coach by the training team for our first couple of days before we moved to Hollington. And it's like, oh shit, I'm the oldest on the course, I'm 28. Oh, is this <laughs> the right thing I should be doing at my age? But I kind of really enjoyed basics. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I did, it was after the, well, after the initial sort of four weeks, I, I was shit on the first four weeks. I was like, nah, I want to come home. I'm done. Don't, I can't be doing this. People are shouting at me for no reason. Um, <laughs> Like, it's, it's stupid because I knew what I was signing up for, but when it actually happened, I was like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. I always had a bit of a chip on my shoulder anyways, but I was like, fuck this. And then See, none, of, none of that bothered me because I was already used to it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mind people shouting at me. You know, I got on really well with the training <laughs> team and I'm still good friends with all the training team who took me through basic training. And, if, I, you know, I, that kind of set me up when I went back as a recruit training instructor in 2007. Yeah. So, you know, I've seen it from both sides and I thought, you know, I know what the scrope baggers are going to go through, but I know what it's like for the instructors because they work incredibly hard yeah, uh, yeah. to try and produce. Cause every training team had its own standards. You know? Yeah. And we, at the time, we were, we were at the surge point where they were running six training teams. Uh, and uh, we, were, uh, we, were, we were pretty new. We were the Hibania training teams. We were pretty new forms of that. We had, we had from, from our outset, we had our, our standards. We wouldn't drop them, you know. If they didn't meet the grade, they didn't meet the grade, then they got they got canned. Yeah, well, that's how, that's how it should be. Even even now, that's how it should be. I don't know what it's like uh, these days. No, just you know, um, when, they, when they eventually get to their, their whatever unit they, they get assigned to, they they're like, "We'll change who who trained you." And that's the first thing they're gonna ask. Yeah, who's your training team? I had a pretty decent training team when I came through. I went through El Alamein and uh, the. I would say the lead sort of corporal was Rob Bonner, and no, no, you know Bob, that yeah. cut, cut that bloke open, and he fucking bleeds rap reg, and he's yeah, he's, he's done all right for himself, Rob. Yeah, yeah, he's got a, he's got a lovely green beret now, so he has, yeah, Mong Mong man, <laughs> he's a beast, yeah. he's a beast though. Yeah, he's an absolute unit, and 
the standards that he sort of set was like, oh, if I've got to meet that that sort of standard, that's what I got to. Which is why I think the lads that passed out with me um, and went on to fifteen squadron, why we were pretty good at what we were doing, um, because we basically had the almost the entire sort of training flight basically went straight on to fifteen. I think yeah. it was was rapier before that, along with I think twenty was it twenty six or sixteen? I can't remember. Um, but they sort of combined, didn't they, and created the mighty fifteen again. <laughs> The mighty 15. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it's like now. Don't know what it's like now, but it was pretty decent when I was there. Well, I, you know what, mate? I left as a regular in June or August 2022. Um, so I'm back to being a part-time flight sergeant now. I'm back oh, on the okay. reserve squadron where I started. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I did 24 years as a regular. I've probably seen a lot more than I ever wanted to. Experienced a lot more than I ever want, wanted to, which we'll probably get to in an hour or so. But, you know, it, it, it's only so much you can keep giving, you know. And mm. joining up a lot later in life, yeah, takes its toll out in your body. Like, so I decided to leave at 52. I thought, you know what, I think I've done my bit. I'll do yeah. it part-time. So I, I work on a local authority now as a project manager. So oh, got you. Yeah, yeah. I can't shout no, people in the local authority, though. I, I, was, I was assuming that you were you were fully out now, but obviously you're, you're still... No, I'm still part-time, hoping to... Uh, Pick up my tape and lie on the reserve squad this year. Oh, nice, nice. Well, fingers crossed for you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I was literally that was going to be one of my that was going to be one of my questions because obviously if you've it, I I struggled and I only did five and a half years and I was going to ask what was it like transitioning out after a long period of time. But obviously you're still uh, up, yeah, mate, one it's, foot it's, in. It's, it's it's still yeah it's still a tran hard transition to make though because all my friends. I'm in the military and I didn't have a lot of friends that are civvies, really, apart from the ones that have got out and become civvies, obviously. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's it's a different world. You know, I can't yeah. shout at people in my current job. Yeah, oh, well. It's frustrating at times because, you, you know, you just want to go and strangle them, but, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. You have to be very reserved. Frowned upon. Frowned upon, yeah. that is. And all the people that work for me are all female. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, de you definitely can. Some dimension to it. I've got to be very pleased. You know, I've got there. I've got there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get in there. <laughs> I've got there. I enjoy yeah, it. It's definitely, uh, definitely. It, yeah, it, it it's eye opening. It took me, well, what? How long did it take me? It took me almost eight years to fully settle. I was, I was bouncing around. I was like, I can't deal with these dickheads. I can't deal with these dickheads. Nobody, nobody understands. Nobody gets it. And one of the big things that I found was because I transitioned, I didn't get much in terms of. Um, uh, I can't think of the fucking word now. Um, resettlement. Um, it was basically, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I don't really know. And they were like, oh, have you tried security? Basically, and I was like, oh, what's that? Had a look. Did a CP course. Haven't used a badge in that way. Um, but it looks good on your CV. Um, but it was like, there you go, out you go. I was like, oh, oh all right, cool. Um, and when I came out, and it's it's the security world is so much different in a way. Obviously, we're infantry, so you know you you fight with you fight fire with fire. You know you're always moving forward. You don't want to take a step back. You you've uh -huh. got 
if someone's escalating, you escalate further instead of trying to de deescalate. And you know that that was the hardest sort of transition, and uh, that doesn't really get taught much. Like it's it's for for, for myself <clears throat> being a uh, yeah being a, being a gunner. It's like well, I'm I'm aggressive. I want to win the firefight, all that sort of things, and it's like I I didn't get de-soldiered, you could say, or de-gunnered. It was just like, there you go, have fun. You never do. You never do. <laughs> no, stop calling people dickheads, but they are. <laughs> yeah, it's a different. It's a different world when you, when you step out from the military life, because it's a totally different life. Totally different. You can't explain it. You know the camaraderie, yeah. the banter, the piss taking that goes along with an absolutely real job you do at times. You know, you put your life in the eye to defend yeah. the, the realm and British interests and other interests which aren't so British. Yeah, true. It's it's a strange concept when you think about it. Um, I, when I, I had to go through therapy at one stage to try and fix the old noggin, um, and I was explaining what basically we had to do on, on going out on foot patrols and things like that, and then she just couldn't fathom the fact that I was okay with the fact that I was going out and possibly not coming back. She was like, how how old were you when you did this? And I was like, well, 21 when I first went to Iraq. I was like, it's just, it is what it is. And she was like, but that's not normal. It's like, well, it, well, it is to me because that's what I was programmed to do. But she couldn't get her head around that. She was trying to say no, that. It, it, it's hard. You know, I've, you know I've, I've given quite a lot of these after dinner speeches type stuff. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes I don't, I don't like doing because you get, you get asked a lot of questions and I've done those, a lot of ad hoc stuff and attended yeah. a, lot of, a lot of really crazy events where, you know, there's other high end gallantry award recipients at it and there's high ranking mm. officers that don't really do an awful lot, but they seem to have an awful lot of medals. Um, <laughs> you know, they, you know, they, they ask you, so, you know, how did, how did you deal with the aftermath of that? That's such an extreme event you went through this, you know, by this, by talking to someone, you know, I don't, yeah. it's not affecting me in any, any way. You know, it's not like I, I, I kind of do relive it. You know, you'll probably see that as we go forward. This, I, I will probably get a little bit emotional at times. Cause it's yeah, that's fine. Yeah, 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 of course. Relive it. I mean, you know, and oddly enough, helping to put it down papers helps because it's, mm. it's going into book form Ooh. at some point, which will be called Into the Darkness. Like it. Uh, so yeah, I'm on the last chapter, Inc. Oh, nice, nice. How, how, how you, I was going to say, how how are you finding the uh, creative process? I actually the, the creativity in writing is is I actually quite enjoyed it. I, I found it really therapeutic. But what I I did find a bit, odd, I have to admit, is um, I keep remembering stuff and I think, oh, fuck, I've got to put that in because that was really yeah. funny at the time. And then trying yeah. to put that in, a, a speak that someone can actually read and. Go. <laughs> I, I know what you're. Yeah. I know what you're thinking there, or why that was so funny, which is quite hard to do on paper because mm. it's so black and white. Uh, but yeah, I, I had I had a little bit of help. I had a, a ghostwriter that helped me do the prologue, and that kind of set me on the path. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, but, yeah, it's went, pretty graphic. Well, I'll I'll look. I'll be looking forward to that. I'll be adding that to the collection. Um, most definitely. I I. I wrote a book and mine was very much mixed reviews. Like, um, in terms of lads that I served with were like, that didn't happen. I was like, well, it fucking did. I know it did. Like, <laughs> I was, I was the fucking one that did it. Um, but yeah, it was, I got a lot of shit for when I wrote mine. 
and at one point I was like, well, I'm just going to remove it from Amazon and, and things like that because the amount yeah. of hate and shit like that, I was like, I can't be dealing with it. There's, that's not why I wrote it. Um, I have I have tested it on a few people, a few friends and a few people who I, I don't know that well. I said, look, have, have a read of this um, part yeah. of the chapter and see what you think. They're like, that. okay, holy shit. I want, I want yeah. to read all of them now. Yeah, yeah. But that's been pretty well written. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, Not that I'm a book writer. Yeah, the the, the positive uh, reviews I got were, was really good, and the, and a lot of them were like, oh, I understand where the book was was going because it wasn't so much about my service; it was more about how I dealt with the mental health aspect afterwards, and how I was really down, really dark, and how my daughters basically saved my fucking life, and and things like that, and. Well, mate, things affect people you, in totally different yeah, ways. Yeah, you, 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 I went through it and I was like, I'm fucking really proud of that. I'm heavily dyslexic, so actually getting something down on paper. Like, I used to, I used to jot down when we're out on tour. I used to write little journals, which is why I got most of the memories still written down in, in handwritten form. Not that my handwriting's any good, but it took me a while to actually fucking decipher what I just wrote. It was like it was in backco. I was like, what the fucking hell was that? Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah it, it 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 was therapeutic, definitely, and that's why I found doing the podcast was even more so because I struggled a bit bit more. I got a bit more stressed writing stuff, so I thought, well, why don't I speak it instead? Yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've I've looked at a couple of your podcasts since you asked me to come on and do it, and uh, I appreciate like, it. Well, you know, some of these people, yeah, amazing. Yeah, to be fair, some of the people have I, I've even shocked myself with some of the people that I've got. Um, the the one of the one of the main ones that I really enjoyed doing was actually two or three years ago. Now we're coming up to the fifth birthday of uh, the podcast, actually, but it was uh, Rusty Furman, um, SAS, and I literally just sent him a, a message on Facebook. I think it was. Um, I just said. It's coming up to my podcast's birthday. Do you fancy being my special guest? And he's like, yeah, no problem. And like Soldier World, that's like, oh, fucking hell. That's like a proper celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So having him on, and he was sound. And weirdly, he actually used to play football with my dad um, when my dad was based down at, down in Hereford. Nice. It's um, a small world. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's weird. He's like, I've had a few beers with your dad in the barrels. I was like, what? Why don't I know this? My dad is so he's a pain in the ass, my old man. He doesn't tell me shit. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, my my son would probably say exactly the same thing, buddy. Mm. Yeah, my daughters will be the same when they when they get older. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh what what was your what was your first where was your first tour then? Was it Northern Ireland? ADS. ADS. All right. Guardian. Navy nukes waiting for decommissioning. What a, oh. what a job. Four days, on, <laughs> four days on. Four nights, four off. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty repetitive, pretty boring. Yeah, as they say, living the dream. Yeah, and then when ADS closed, they reformed 51. So 46, 48 of us went up straight up to Lossie. The rest. All right, yeah. 107, because you know, this column was really big. It was like almost 200 people. It's ridiculous. And there's yeah. six lines. So the rest all just went oh, yeah. to the regiment. We formed 51. We were the, the nucleus hardcore that reformed 51 and brought chaos and terror back to Ross <laughs> and Because <laughs> yeah. 48 had not long been disbanded. Hmm. 
So they thought they got rid of us, and uh, no, 51's coming back. So. Yeah, they're coming back, coming back to the... Good days, they were. Good times, mate. And they were some of the best years, without a doubt. It must, it must have been good. It must have been nice, should I say, or, and good, being on, on the likes of 51, 3 Squadron, 34, away from Honington. Yeah, yeah. I, I never went back to Honington apart from um, to go back as a recruit instructor. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's all I fucking knew was Honington. It was like, oh great, it's not nice, I guess. Yeah, I, I had the uh, the issue um, coming towards the end of my time was because I had developed a, a skill of being a signaller. It was difficult for me to be moved on anywhere because it was like, no, no, we need to keep him because he's good at his fucking job. He's staying. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. It's, it's, right. it's a dark art being a signaller, mate. I've been one. I've been oh, a yeah. Fucking hell. Tell me about it. No, no one likes radios. <laughs> Set that no, up. I, I got stitched up for it as well. So um, it was, uh, we were getting ready to deploy to CAF when they started uh, uh, bringing in the Lance Corporal role. And there was five of us uh, getting ready to like potentially go on the course. And then next thing I know, someone has told uh, Sergeant Perio Stone that I loved comms. I don't know who the fuck told him that. And then next thing I know, I've been taken off this uh, like pre-FT1 course. I've been removed from that and then put on to uh, advanced fucking... Signaler. Signaler. Someone really I'm didn't like, like you. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, I wasn't surprised, put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we, we can oh, laugh and joke about it, but you know, I, I had to, I've had to rely on signals to get me out of the, out of the crap. Yeah, you know, when they're like, you know, or they could be as well be on the other side of the world because you're on the end of a radio and a handset, you know, but what they can provide is <laughs> it's life saving, mate. So, yeah, don't well, look at it. it's a important role. Someone's yeah, got to yeah. do it. It was, and they, we we got a lot of shit, don't get me wrong, you know, comms biff and all that sort of shit, you know, you're a nerd, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it is what it is, but um, it is. without without fast thinking and, and getting the relative information, you know, things might have been a, a lot slower, helping Robbo out and helping Robbie Priddle out. and Absolutely, mate, you know. And all that sort of thing, because no, what a no lot of people no don't... Bombs. Exactly. What a lot of people don't realise is the desk next to me is the air desk. So they're the ones call it, uh, talking to Mert and talking to uh, Pedro and all that sort of thing, or even dropping in the bombs, you know, without getting the information passed to and from, you know, no comms, no bombs. Mate, I know it all too well when I've had two Cobras firing over above my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So we're going to have to we're going to have to touch on it. We're going to have yeah. to touch on it, the, the world-famous or infamous Battle of Britain. A Battle of Britain? Battle of Bastion. Oh, I'm not that old. <laughs> Battle of Bastion, the infamous, you know, the one where the Raf Red shot their own body armour. But in his, in their own words... Mate, fuck. if I had the time to do that, yeah, I pretty I'd, much didn't. Love you know, it. The lads had enough time deflecting what, the trap yeah. as it was. Why not let a uh, a rumour get in the way of the truth, you know what I mean? Or why let the truth spoil a good rumour, should I say? Oddly enough, mate, in, in, in the part of the tail end of the book, um, it's called, um, one of the chapters is called Afterthought, 
it covers some of that stuff because I've been in other messes or even the mess at Mossy Mouth where there's been certain members of the other branches in it talking about what happened at Bastion and not realising that I was actually there. Yeah. And it was quite interesting to hear some of the crap that these people come out with. Oh, I love it. I love and oddly it. enough, I, I actually got a lot of stick from two sergeants who were at Sandhurst. You know, oh. get to got to a point, mate. It's like oh, this is getting a bit close to the bone. I didn't know who these people are. Why? Why? Why, mm. why are they slating me? Because I was doing my job. Yeah, you know what that, I mean? that's that always confused me as well. When whenever I heard any sort of war stories about it and 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 whatnot, because you, you, you can't take got... nothing. You got to take everything with a pinch of salt. Do you actually hear yeah. from someone who's actually actually there? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then well, then you get the ground truth. Yeah. Well, I never sort of speculated or or thought any different i was like well i haven't actually spoken to anyone that was actually there on the day when it happened so i'm not going to take any sort of conclusion from any of this rumor mill that's going on like one minute it's the the raf reg let him in because they were sleeping the towers and next minute it never really happened they just shot their own body armor and said it happened it's like yeah okay well you know we'll, we'll be able to dispel some myths here mate um love that we, we start off with um, on. We start off with Eastern Primer. So, the Eastern Primer was held by Task Force Helmand. So that's the rear echelon on Camp Bastion. It wasn't a wing task at the time. The wing did an estimate. It was passed to up the chain of command. It even went to PGHQ about certain things needed to change in the Primer. Task Force Helmand held the risk. They were happy, content. Bastion was a benign area. Hence, why only every other tower was manned. It was, wasn't manned by infanteers as such. It was manned by the rear esh of Bastion. That was anything from a driver, a cook. You know, oh, yeah. they're, they're in towers yeah. among the GPMG that well, they weren't qualified. There was no night sights. There was no radios. There was no defensive plan. They had no interlink arc to fire. They to make. It, was, it, was, it was a recipe for disaster. And then you had the Tongans in the mix with that as well. Um, but you, you know, you wouldn't have seen it at the time. You might have seen it at the time. About the, the big white bus used to go around the towers and stop at every tower that was manned, do a changeover yeah. every day, and it would go off, chundle four or 500 metres, stop at the next tower. And they never swapped the towers over. They were just fixed. So anyone looking in, it was, you know, it's pretty easy to work out a pattern of life and how the shutters were open or closed. That's how they did their recce. They, they tested the towers. They, they, they were quite meticulous in their recce prior to carrying out the complex attacks. Um, and that's been well documented. You know, they, they released a propaganda video about it. They had Bastion mapped out on the whiteboard. You know, I've used that on plenty of briefs. It, I got it from the PM's brief because that was on his desk within 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, after the event, you know, they traced their route, they traced their staging posts, how they got in. You know, there, there was a lot of time and thought that went into that. And it wasn't your know, $5 Taliban. They, they all came from the Hakani network. Mm. Extremely well trained, extremely well funded. More importantly, they were made, they were extremely well equipped. Um, you know, we carry six magazines and enough rounds to fill them. They were carrying thirteen magazines and thirteen bags of ammunition. So they're carrying twenty six mags of ammunition. You know, that's yeah. a vast amount of weight. Yeah, and that's not light. That, that's days, not fucking light. That fuck me. Mate, not not you know, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, so yeah, so that kind of that would dispel a few myths, you know, 
the RAF wasn't in, in charge of the Primer. The RAF was just in charge of UK flight ops. The so, Primer was Castle's helmet. Yeah, so clearly after the bash that's, happened, that yeah, that that's that was very strange to me just hearing that. Obviously, I sort of knew um, that, but but also don't. Why wouldn't you use the subject matter experts on airfield defence to defend the airfield? Well, they they learned a lot from that, didn't they? Because uh, <laughs> when, uh, when we when we deployed back out on Herrick ninety, you know, we had five hundred people in the wing, almost. Yeah. You know, we had yeah. two regiment squadrons. One doing the, just the eastern perimeter. One doing the outside stuff. I had we had the Tongan Royal Marines. We had a platoon of the army who was supporting some of the towers. We had all the other attaches. So it was, I think it was the Bulgarians. No, it wasn't. It was um, the Bosnians. They come under the wing. It was big. Because uh, yeah. I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed out on the ground when we went back on here at nineteen. Because they thought, oh no, we'll keep you inside the wire. So I did. I ran the CSS for the eastern perimeter. And it was Got vast, it. and it's multinational. Every tower was manned. Every tower was like a mini PB. It was ridiculous. Have, yeah. And we'll that's the way it should be. That's the way you defend the airfield. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Americans were doing it on the other side, but you know, the uh, you know, Tossus Hellman didn't want to do that. Of course not. They, they, they know it all. So. Well, yeah. Clearly yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. So Clearly they not. were. So they were well, well manned, well gunned, and and ready for a fight. The Taliban. Yeah, yeah, they were, mate. So yeah, and under the week leading up to it, um, we had just gone on. We got on to our our two week on base rotation where we did QRF, MER, and on base and off base QRF. So the first week, you know, I was I had the, the week off, so I was kind of writing SGRs. It doesn't SGRs don't stop because you're not. Clearly, when you've yeah, got fucking caught your things to write, so I'm not pain in the ass. Um, so I, I did that the first week. And the second week, I swapped over my boss. So I took over QRF, really multiple. So we had two jackals and a ridgeback, and there's 11 of us, stroke 12. It fluctuated between 12 and 30, 11 to 30. Uh, but I only had 11 because of R&R and people going off to go on R&R and people coming back. So we had 11 yeah, yeah. that week. Mate, that, that was probably one of the busiest weeks I've ever seen in QRF. We went to support two call signs who were in contact in the in AO. Uh, so we got involved with that. We went to two ID strikes. We went to two high value target strikes on couriers by Apaches. We intercepted an RPG team who were coming up from Nadi Ali after hitting a British call sign. Arrested them, dealt with them. That you know, it, it, it was a really busy week. So the time we got to the Friday night or the Friday. You know, the troops, you know, we were pretty fucking shot. Yeah, you know, and we're going back out the ground yeah. for four weeks. You know, thinking, fucking hell, can't sustain this. This is just fucking ridiculous. Friday was, oddly enough, it was strangely quiet. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of transit going through the AO. It was particularly quiet, yeah. much going on across that part of Helmand or Bastion down towards the Shoal. It was pretty quiet, uh, which is good for us. It gave the troops. A bit of time to turn the kit around. More importantly, turn the vehicles, the weapons around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean water, refuel, wash, ready the for the handover on Saturday morning. Yeah, the, the important, the, yeah, the important, important stuff. Habit. Yeah, because you know when you're out on the ground, you know we, we were out. I think our longest day was 16 hours out. So we went out and we didn't come back until eight, nine o'clock at night. And you know it's pitch black. Really, you know, movement is really restricted at night. 
when you're out yeah. on the ground because you can't see fuck all. But, you know, we, we didn't have a choice. You know, we had a fucking DNA and fucking a blown up fucking motorbike in the back. You know, that had to get back to Bastion for yeah. examination. So yeah, we got back in. So Friday night, we went down to the mess at usual at half past five. I think we got back up with QRF about quarter to eight so the guys go have a shower, pick up some shit because the following day we're doing handover. And I think it's, it's about half past nine, one of the lads, because the lads, you know, you'll, you'll probably know this yourself. You know, you don't have a sleeping pattern when you're not, because mm. you're all, it's always broken sleep. You, you yeah. either, if you're out on the ground, like, you've got to do like stag. You're on radio stag, you're on sentry stag, on one of the, 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 the gun positions, or you're on the RWS. So we all yeah, go yeah. So, you know, and when you're getting giraffe, you're like, that, four hours sleep, and you're probably getting up and restless, you want another brew or something. So some of the guys would, would, would sleep at a drop of a hat, and half of us, mostly all the commanders, wouldn't. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, once you're in that routine of not having a lot of sleep, it's really hard to get into a routine of trying to sleep a lot in one go. Yeah. So yeah, I, I went lot, as as you said, a lot of broken sleep. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went out to the 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 thunder boxes outside for a piss. This is probably just before ten o'clock, and I was just going back in because the lads were just had just put on Rock and Roller, the film. Great movie. And then all of, all of a sudden behind me, I heard this crump. And I was like, hmm, what? Their alarms going off. It's a bit strange. It gives me a good idea. We have some form or something. will want this sense of warmer pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's another one. Then there's this massive explosion. And I thought, hmm, that's actually pretty close. Isn't it? It's like 500 meters away. It's like, oh, yeah, that's on base. Then it's like tracer everywhere. Green and green and red yeah, tracers yeah. just started flying about and ricocheting everywhere. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's something's happening here. Uh, so I went back in. I stood the troops to, went back outside, trying to get my body armor on. Okay, bits of kit hanging off everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Big, big Richard story, my fire support, my FSG commander come up to me. Big um, Yorkshire lad, um, strong as a bull. Uh, he goes, what, what's up? And he goes, look, and he's like, fuck. Goes back in, all the troops are around there now. They're all kitting up, getting into the vehicles. And I made a purpose of them telling them to get one, get all the comms on, including ground to wear, and every weapon loaded, but don't make ready the belt-fed weapons. Every other weapon was made ready. Because yeah. I didn't know what we were going into. Clearly, it was something big that's happened on, on base. Could have been anything. It could have been like, uh, you know, there's all sorts of scenarios running through your head because you yeah, don't know yeah, what yeah. you're going into. So off we pop. So we come out, out out the QRF bit, two jackals leading with the Ridgeback behind. And as you know, at night, Ridgeback driving thermal cameras. Yeah. So uh, the Ridgeback commandos like that. So I, so I can't keep up. I can't see you. I goes, right. Stod, stop. Right, head towards the bottom end of the main runway. Get on it and head up the runway up to the top end of the bastion because the airfield would already been closed. That come over the comms. Um, and at that stage, they were asking us, like, can you go to, 12, to tower, go to Tower 22 and see what's going on? That, well, I'm pretty sure it was not in the towers, but off we went. So we went two jackals. So it was like, how many was this? There's only six of us. Yeah, there's only six of us. Jeez. So Stoz led. Um, we stopped short of Tower 22. Because I could see some blokes moving out the bottom of it. And I was like, tower 22, that's, that's a Tongan tower. So he goes, right, Stoz, cover us. Um, I'm just going to go up in the, my vehicle and we'll just see what's going on. So we get there and I was like, 
fucking hell, what, what are you doing? He goes, well, looking at the fireworks. So it's like, get in that fucking cell, you fucking lunatics. Oh, you get get it out. How about fucking man in your arms? <laughs> They're like, oh, 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 and off they scuttle in. Pretty sure I didn't open the hatches at the top. Hey, yeah, that's, that's a by the way. So I told Stars, well, I'm going to mount back up, go up to the flight line, see if you can find a, a route to get onto the top end of the flight line. So off he went, and uh, I got in a vehicle. Well, I let, I let Zero know what was going on. Tower 282, no, nothing here. It's on the flight line somewhere. They go, fine. Proceed with caution. I was like, fucking hell, no shit. Proceed with caution. I don't know how many times <laughs> I got told that night. Proceed with caution. Fucking no shit. So off we go. I'm out with Stoz. We found our route onto the flight line where all the Harriers were parked in the sunshades. Mm. And, mate, there was really two burning. Two have been RPG'd. And then all of a sudden, we just saw an RPG go straight into another Harrier. And the, these are fully laden. So they're fully fueled. Feel it, fully armed. and Fully armed and fully fueled. Yeah, ready to rock and roll with the ground support. And I was like, oh. I thought, my first thought was, well, that's impressive. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's yeah. A, well, you, you can't knock it, can you? They, they've, done, then, they've done a fucking good job there. Fair play. So we, we didn't stay static. We, we were moving about on the stop. And you would see a, an odd bit of tracer. Another explosion. Something could, starting to cook off. And I thought, I, mean, I did make a point to myself at that point. Because you really need to move away from aircraft when they're going tits up when you're only 300 metres away from them. You really want to be yeah. further away. And just as I was thinking that, an RPG went right over the top of us. And then before I knew it, Ollie, who was manning my 50 above me, just slew the gun round and just started rattling off and then sent uh, a sighting report. Yeah. Uh, and quick as it started, it stopped. And I thought, fucking hell, that fucking gun's loud. I'm trying to hear myself yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. And Berkey, don't know how, don't know how loud Berkey the commander, um, <laughs> stood up on his on his fucking front seat and was like, "Will you stop fucking firing that thing above my head?" He goes, "I think I'm trying to get my ear defence in." <laughs> one side of his hearing was blown out, and Ollie's like, "What?" <laughs> Put his ear defence back in. <laughs> at, least, at least he's going to get a good claim out of it. <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's, there's light-hearted moments like that throughout the night, and so we we started to leapfrog about. We didn't stay static after that point, and then about 900 metres back down towards where the Ospreys and CH-53s were. Yep. The US Marines transport aircraft. There was this massive, massive fireball. It was like a, a mini nuke going off. And they obviously hit one of the fuel bladders. Yeah. Like, Fuck. So I called the ridge back up. He comes trundling. I goes, right, stay here. Don't let anyone get past you. And there's lunatics over there with RPGs. He went, no, oh, I'll be all right. I'm in the ridge back. I said, like, no, really? Yeah, uh, well, yeah okay. <laughs> uh, off, we, off we went, me and Stoz went heading down the flight line on the runway, and then I met up and I thought, oh, that's all these blue lights coming up. That's got to be fucking Trumpton. Oh, it's got to be Trumpton. Uh, so, lo and behold, it, yeah, it's, it's all the um, crash, fire and rescue. Yeah, yeah. Being led by my on-base QRF in their, in their Vixen Plus, because it can't walk camp. So, the on-base QRF at the time, that, that was just a token effort. One was to respond to any on six oh any incident in six oh four where we, uh, we were located, and because Prince Harry was there, that was their secondary. Uh, but he had a Met Police Protection Squad with him, so he got he got squirreled away to a safe location, oh, despite reports that he was up in Apache and cure on Q. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was he fuck. Yeah, he, he got squirreled away. Um, <laughs> so I met, I met up with Smudge, my own base QF. I goes, where are you going with this Lunar Six? Because there's so much fucking shit shooting over, over the top of us. I was like, right, tell them to disappear 400 metres that way 
and we'll give them the green light when they come and start tackling these fires because there was so much um, yeah. shit flying them out this, at this point. It, it wasn't safe for them, you know, the firemen at the end of the day. So off they went. They backed off. So we then went around the back of these maintenance hangars where the Ospreys were, and we drove right into a two-way range. So Stoz was leading, Smudge, then me, and there's a group of US Marines, and there was one of the five-man team insurgents. We were like... We just drove into a, a two-way range. Yeah. And all, all I heard was like a, one of the GPMGs and the, of the lead um, jackal just bark into life. And then all went, all went quiet. And there was like four bodies on the ground. I was like, okay. And the, all these US Marines just fucking vaporized, disappeared into the night, scuttled off. I was like, what the fuck? Where have they gone? Is it, is it and we were like, left there. Oh, not really. It was, it was really eerie. And then towards another massive explosion, another fuel bladder went off. So I went to I went to Stars and Smudge goes right, go up into the high ground over there. See if we got an vantage point. I'm going to dismount with Berkey. I'm going to check to see who these guys are. Uh, I'll I'll, let, I'll I'll really lay that back to zero. I'll, I'll get you back in comms. So that yeah, no bother. So off they go. So me and me and Berkey, uh, one of my juniors, we're, we're checking these guys. They're all you can tell they're insurgents. They've got white trainers on, white vests, but they're all yeah. wearing grey digicam. American captured uniform, hats, Ooh. all rank insignia patches, names. So it's all been stolen from yeah, washes. Yeah, by the course. washes, yeah. But they're, they're, all, they're all dressed exactly the same. Oddly enough, one of them had a, a, a 16 era assault brigade patch, but it was upside down. Uh, oh, that's no. always stuck in my mind. I've got a picture of that somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll start feeding this back to back to the sea jock. Yeah. This is what we've got. This is what we've found. And then all I heard was smudge of the PRR. Sarge, Sarge, get up here. Contact right, contact right. And the whole world, you could hear, you could hear it just erupt. Yeah, because yeah. they're effectively being ambushed by 60 metres away. And another group of five were waiting for the follow-up QRF. They didn't get to their target. I think their target was the the righteous call sign, the Cobra Debt, that I think they got a bit lost and tangled. They ended up in the cryogenic bay, where they store all the aircraft gases that are under constant cooling. If I had known at the time, I probably wouldn't have fragged it with Cobra gunships, but I, I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I got Hindsight, there. Hindsight's a good thing, though. <laughs> it, it, is, it gets better in a minute. So I get up there, I pull my vehicle, so I've got Stoss's Jackal, his guns, well, his gun wasn't firing because he had the GMG, but his, his top cover was firing. A couple of guys were dismounted. The Vixen was over here, and I pulled up behind level with Stoss. I was like, fucking hell, what's going on? What's and this fucking RPG went arcing over the head and it just erupted. And the guys were just dismounting, returning fire. And I was like, fucking hell. So I, you know, sit right back to zero, contact way out. You know, it, was, it was ridiculous. You think, you know, I'm on a main base here. I'm in an, we've driven into an ambush. Yeah. What, you mean, you've driven into an ambush on your own base. That's mental. Uh, yeah. So. And they were they were firing a mix of standard AK rounds and armor piercing rounds because the rounds were going straight through some of the doors and the jackal. Yeah. You know, there were, there was some nice niche drilled round holes. Um they didn't have a lot of armor piercing rounds, but they had, a, they had a lot of RPGs. Fucking hell did they ever. You know, we're taking RPGs, small arms, PKM, you know, all that was getting chucked at us. And then you get something that no commander really wants to hear that's Someone's not screaming, man down, man down. Yeah. And Big Stoz took a round to his 
on the right. It's his right leg and partially severed his leg. Blew yeah. out four inches of his shin, tib and fib. Oh. Uh, he was... Of course, that has a profound effect on people. Yeah, of course so, it does. You know, so he's getting dragged behind the jackal to get treated. The dark medic, Kaylee, there's a lot to be said about women in combat. She was gleaming that night. She didn't bat an eyelid. She ran across open ground to get to him, to treat him. Um, Gilly saw one of his best friends. He, he went into really deep shot. So he got dragged back into the vixen. Wow, fucking hell. Just like, okay, right. What's the priority? Like, let's get Stoz. Sponge, get Stoz in the back of the vixen. Get taken away with the medic. Leave to the dismounts. Take Gilly with you. Uh, get him to roll free and then come straight back. Uh, yeah. Because we're... We could be here on our own, out on a limb here. He goes, yeah, yeah, no bother. So off the go. Um, so this is now 10.36. So, you know, it's not a long period of time from getting onto the flight line, our no. first couple of contacts till now where we are. So, you know, we're, I start assessing the situation, you know, send more city reps back, back to CJOC, send my missed that, let them know that, Roll three is going to start having incoming casualties, which is quite good, really, when you think about it, because they're straight on the phone to roll three, stand by. You know, yeah, well, yeah, you can have casualties it's... rolling in anytime soon, and not just um, UK ones. Um, so, yeah, that, that was all good. Up until the point where I decided, you know what, I'm going to move my jackal because I've got the 50 cal on top of it. Right, move that four or 12 feet so you can use the gun, get a better arc of, arc of fire into it. And they're like, yeah. Great idea. So Ollie's up in the 50, starts turning it round. Uh, Berkey's guiding them. And Sooty, um, Lance got Sootmeyer, he was the driver. So they move it forward 12 feet. Great arc for the gun. 50 starts rattling. Sooty jumps out, just about to close the door. And an RPG went flying straight into the cab. Blew out the front end of it. So he took the full force of it in his arm and face. So he got pretty shredded. Ollie, clearly all the blasts went up the way, threw all the frag yeah. at him. I didn't know he was hit at that point. Uh, not until a bit late, about five minutes afterwards. Clearly, so he was... He was in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Corporal Timis, you come out with Vixen, grabbed him. Him and Berkey got him into the centre, and uh, start, you know, treating him. You know, he was covered in blood, you know, yeah. you know, literally, it was everywhere, you know, and it's dark. But, you know, you've got all these, like, 100-foot flames above you, just silhouetting you in the night sky, you're thinking, fucking hell, look at us, we're sitting ducks here. Uh, but as I'm, I'm looking at that, I'm, I'm realising, you know what, I'm losing, I'm losing all my manpower here. Yeah. And then, um, so the point five was taken out, the GPMG that's on the front of the, the Jackal was in, in two bits hanging, that had been blown. Stoz's front GPMG had to go around for the gas regulator. So that was that was not functional. The GMG was put out of action by PKM. So you know, we were, we were on our old personal weapons now. And I've only got like a handful of people, if that. Yeah. And then um, Ollie crawls around the corner from the vehicle. It was like, and he was pretty fucked up. I thought his February would have been nicked. Because he had a real chunk out of the inside of his leg, and I thought, "Fucking hell, this is getting this is getting nuts." And then uh, SSC SSC Sid Holcroft took a round strike to the front of his helmet, 
he was right next to me. And he just dropped his weapon and the blood going down his face. So I was like, fucking hell, mate, you've just been shot in the head. Fucking hell, get over here. Took his helmet off and his helmet's got a crack. He only had a gash from his head. I was like, fucking one lucky fucker. I took a down strike, you're going to walk away from that. Yeah. Um, but I thought, fucking hell, what, what am I going to do now? I've got no vehicles. So I went to Timmy and Berkey. He goes, right, get these lot patched up. Get them on the feet. We'll cover you across the dead ground. Get them into that dead ground over there. They'd get them over to where the fire trucks are. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I know where they are. goes, right. And then I looked around. I realised, like, there's only me. I took, I took some frag for that RPG strike. I went into the side of my knee. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, I'm in agony here. Uh, but the adrenaline that's coursing through you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of knolls that way. I looked down, I do, I do recall looking down it and I think, you know, what's that sticking out? I just pulled out my fingers. Yeah. Uh, didn't think any of it. Yeah, I thought, yeah, well, I'll come back to that later. Uh, I've got <laughs> casualties here. The guys are fighting to keep them alive. Uh, so there's me, there's young Luke Harrington. You'll like this bit, mate. So he's only been on the flight two weeks. He spent the whole tour as a, a signaler in a sea jock. So you got attached to oh. us. Yeah, yeah. Some ground experience. And it's his first tour. Not being on squad and long, so you're straight out of training. Did his comms course and he thought, yeah, I'll, I'll sit in the sea jock. And they would take him out. He'd come to us and he's like, fucking white eyed. He's like, can you what, what do I do now? What do I do? I just, like, take the take the left flank. Whatever you do, don't let anybody flank us. He goes, what, what, do they, what happens then? Because if the flankers were fucked. And yeah. I said the same thing to big Luke Harrington. He's a, did a little stint in the army, big, big, big bloke, really nice bloke, really likable. Uh, I goes, right, when I say rapid, look, give everything you've got uh, to cover these lads to get them into the dead ground. They're like, they're like, yeah, all right. And so uh, I goes, right, rapid. And big Luke just broke away from the side of the vehicle, stood up, put down covering fire, and I could see the rounds flying past him, over him, hitting the ground in front of him. Didn't bat an eyelid. I mean, it's one of the bravest things I ever saw, just to cover his comrades, get to get to the dead ground, so we can extract them. And then he got back in, and then uh, he goes, "Sorry, so fucking hell, what's that? You right, mate?" And he's got his fag hanging out his mouth. It's broken in two. He goes, "You've got a light." I went, "What about that? Fucking backfiring." And I was like, "Fucking!" I realised then, mate, I was in a bit of shit. Yeah, there's only three of us left. Everything's fucked. And it was really, it was really hard listening to the comms because I've got a pressel pressed against my ear. I've got my PRR and I'm trying to like keep these guys motivated, trying to fill magazines when fucking you know, they're empty and quick and we could fill them. Yeah. You know, we didn't, we didn't have so much ammo with us. I think they're thinking this is getting nuts. This is getting turbo nuts. Uh, so I just grabbed the handset and went, breaking in, breaking in, zero, three zero Bravo. I need an emergency close air support and they need it now. And they're like, Roger, send your location. Send your grid references that. I'm not fucking Bastion. I haven't got a gridy map of Bastion. I'm in the off-base yeah. QRF. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> and that was that was one of the learning points. They're like, why the fuck would I want that? I'm the off-base QRF. I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is the last thing that's supposed to be happening. I was like, here's my 10-figure grid reference. Work it out for yourself. But luckily, um, we had a Predator and a Hermes 460 above us. So everything's now getting recorded. Pop, your head, pop your head outside. Pop your I've head outside. Footage, I'm there. I've got some of the footage. <laughs> Because the JTAC sent me it, and I went, yeah. Look, I, I need it now. I, we're going to get outflanked here, and they're just going to roll us. 
And he goes, all right, I've got, we've got two Cobras who managed to go into a holding pattern. So when the Bastion was hit, they, they put all the alert stuff in the air. So the Apache and two yeah, Cobras yeah. were scrambled straight away. And but the Cobras, were, because they're in the holding pattern, um, they had to go to Fob Price, uh, which is down Nally Alleyway, to refuel and rearm. It's the first time they received Cobras because they needed to receive Apaches. Mm. So they, 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 the Cobras would disappear off and refuel. That's how fucking big it was. It was mental. So this is probably now 48 minutes into it. Yeah, that's about 48 minutes into it. Uh, and my world is falling apart. So Stan goes, yeah, we're struggling to identify you. I guess what do you mean you're struggling to identify? He goes, mate, it all looks the same. Everything's white out. I goes, okay, well, what can we do? Right. So gets we put some tracer into a, a top of a mag. I, I I know we're less than 100 meters away, but it, it'll spark off or something. Something we'll yeah, see something. Yeah. So we just yeah, let. Yeah. I mean, I've only got three rifles. You know, not much we can do. Um, I think I didn't even have a 66 because we we're off base here. That would be quite handy. Yeah. But anyway, so I goes right. What, try and watch our fire. So as we were directing it, he caught the trail of an RPG coming out, which which wow. went skimming over the top of our vehicle. And he goes, and all I heard from the Cobra pilot pilots was, "Yep, yeah, tally position, stand by, incoming." And I was like, "Fucking hell, this is actually going to happen." Uh, I didn't get all what Stan was saying to him because I can only hold one handset at a time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Stan. Um, Got them to overshoot and then walk the rounds on. But it's pretty scary when you've got a Cobra flying over your, your shoulder of a 20 mil cyclic cannon. Yeah. Uh, 60 meters away. That's danger close. I had to authorize danger close because it's guideline is 250 meters, something like that. And I'm yeah. wanting to fire 60 meters away. You know? Especially so, with a 20, yeah. 20 millimeter cannon. And I was like, fucking hell. And I went to the guys, take cover. You know, because when he said, like, incoming five seconds, that five seconds felt like a minute. You yeah. Know, I, I, I physically felt myself wanting to get a spoon out and dig a hole. You know, because yeah. I didn't know where. And Stan, the, the JTAC in the sea job, didn't know where the rounds were going to go either. Because he knew where we were. He wasn't quite sure if the pilots knew. So he didn't look at yeah. the screen when the first lot of rounds went in. And when I said, no, look closer, walk and bring him in. He's like, well, I'm hitting the right area then, I'm not hitting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't yeah. been it yet. That's a good thing. And then, so they, they walked in and they, they did um, four or five different gun runs. Uh, and then they had to go off and refuel. And the Apache, Apache was in up there. Um, by that stage, some of the um, other call signs had gotten to Bastion. So I had two jackals from B-Flight got to my location first. Uh, one, of them, one of them was my good friend. And Stoz's best mate, Drew, who was the other only fire support commander in the squadron. And he's like, Sarge, Sarge, come over here and briefing and going on. I was in the fucking way I was going over that open ground. I was like, come over yeah. here, you twat. <laughs> he got over to us and he, he, he's looking around this discarded magazines, med kit, weapons, body armor, blood everywhere. And he's like, I went, look, mate, Stoz is all right. Don't worry about Stoz. He's all right. He'll be all right. I was like, what else could I say to the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. And he's like, oh. Cause I, I see him. I could see he's wanting to ask. And he's like, where the fuck's everybody else? And goes, mate, this is it. This is what's left on my call sign. And he's like, holy fuck. And then about a minute later, Smudge turned back up after dropping Stoz off. Uh, but he had four Pedro Power Rescue guys with him. They'd come off the, the day shift. Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. 
No they picked them up because they started, they kitted up and started tapping across the airfield. Fucking course yeah. they did. <laughs> so, I gave them the, the lowdown as well, and Stoz's wep, crude weapons started firing, uh, and his dismount started firing. So I, I felt a little bit better. My QRF on base is back. I've got four Pedro Power Rescue guys with me. So if we're taking more casualties, we're going to be pretty squared away. Yeah. And then I got I got word over the, over the radio that four zero alpha is on route to my location. And I was like, who the fuck's four zero alpha? We don't we don't have mortars out here. Yeah. I was going to say that's mortars, isn't it? It did. It didn't occur to me that the squadron had generated a reserve at that stage. Oh right. Yeah. It, it wasn't in the planning. So what are they? They did is everyone that was stood down or waiting to go in RR who had just mm. come back from R and R dragged into yeah. compound, put into some form of squad. It wasn't many, it was only about 14 of them. That that was led by the DSE Kevin Bryan. And Yossi had his little tuck group behind them. So uh, they come out and then it's like a case of like how are we gonna do this position? How are we gonna get in and clear this compound where these fucking idiots are? So Smudge goes, well, let's go right flanking over the top of the wall and just drop down on top of them. And uh, we've got a whole compound to clear first. Let's clear this side of it and then we'll go to the right side of it and deal with that position. He goes, okay then. So I briefed the DSC. He goes, right, okay. Get one of your lads to go brief that to the OC, make sure the OC is happy with it. And I looked at young Harrington and he's like, I don't know what you said. I have no idea what you just said. I said, okay, okay. I'll be back in five minutes. So hobbled off, briefed up the OC, and he's like, he goes, yeah, I'm happy with that. He goes, are you all right? He goes, I'll be fine. Yeah. I goes, have, see if we can get find out how the troops are. He's like, yeah, don't worry, you're on that. So off I went back, and then I kind of made up two assault sections. Oddly enough, my flight commander was on, the, on, the, on that reserve unit that come out. Yeah. He goes, right, Smudge, take, take the first assault section. The boss is going to be with you, but keep him right. You're in charge, type thing. And me and Fish, who was one of the, the genius and B flight, we'll go with the second assault section, but they'll be made up with the four bedroom guys because that's all we had. And he's like, right, okay. So Smudge goes in, I go in. It's a bit of a fuck about getting over the barbed wire to get into this little compound because you can, it's not like we could walk in the main gate. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got in there. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of broken down into two areas. So the front, bit by side of the road was like the working area where the offices and storerooms are and the back bit is where there's a big row of generators then the back bit is where the gases are stored so smudge went down the far end and i got to the generators and we both turned right at the same time and then headed across and then smudge will come back down the way so i was going past these fucking generators these are the big industrial generators I was like, I can't hear myself fucking think. I can hardly breathe next to these things. So as I was going to look past them, I was turning them off, not really thinking about what their power was going to at the time. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the least of my concern. I got to the last one, and I couldn't reach the the button to turn it off because all I could hear is rounds hitting the other side of this fucking generator. I thought, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sticking it around there, not at this point. And then I heard smudge, like, it's all sections ready. Lead, lead pair are going off. The lead pair was Smudge and another Corporal, Corporal Lee. Uh, so they broke off from the other six, then the other six started moving. Then there was a massive burst of PKM fire. So the other six that are just leaving the HESCO wall, all this PKM fire went between all six of them. And the boss is like, oh, fuck that. Turned around and went the other way. 
and smudges committed <laughs> them, and then two hand grenades come flying out and blew them both off their feet. And I thought, fuck, fuck no, hand grenade, no. I couldn't get comms with smudge. And I thought, fucking hell, they're dead. No. And I, all I could think about now was, I'm going to break cover, I'm just going to charge and sort of position myself. Then I heard, yeah. I'm going to hear, uh, we've just gone back five, another five, six meters, and you've got an EGL round straight into it. Then there was a burst of 0.5 bomb, bomb the jackals, and then Smudge and Nug just went in, assault the position. Uh, and uh, another five insurgents were toast. And uh, that, gave us, that gave us a bit of respite. We then cleared the rest of the compound, which was really eerie. You know, we went to these like port cabin offices. So I had um, this paramedic rescue guy from Pedro, a lad called Bear. I can't remember what rank he was. A master sergeant. So fucking, he was a huge bloke. But he was a unit. Yeah. You know, bear in mind they're, they're almost tier one SF. Uh, <laughs> and so we opened his door, like, and I'm fucking fucking hell. If someone opens up on someone in here, these rounds are going to go straight for these port cameras. I don't know where they're going to go. I don't know who's on the other side. Like, this is fucking nuts. So going to this second port cabin, the kettle and not long boiled. The TV was still on. There was a rack of M16s. There's fucking no US rings about. Where the fuck is everybody? Right? The kit there, gone? the helmet, the weapons there. Where the fuck have they all gone? They've just gone into the night. They, so you get away from these Yeah, get away from these Zoom 6. Because they were just going around this compound, shooting shit up. I mean, it must have been pretty scary for them. So it must have been scary, we, but also... US Marines. What? Well, they, they're not combat Marines. They're flight line technicians, mate. So they're a Marine by default. Marine by cat badge. Yeah. But they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're aircraft technicians, mechanics. Got ya. Because they're all... It's not like the Air Force, right? They're, they're all RAF Regiment, then you go off to be an airplane mechanic. That's what, how yeah, the yeah. US Marines work. They're, all, they're a Marine first. Then they go off and do their technical stuff. So these like these are like engineers, basically. I thought, fucking hell, that's, that's really bizarre. So we went round, all round the fence, around this little um, cryogenics bay. And uh, I thought, fucking hell, I'm, this is now probably about an hour and a half later. Maybe a bit more. I don't know. Uh, and I'm thinking, fuck, I haven't had a drink for an hour and a half. I've got fucking 90 pounds worth of kit hanging off me. I'm fucking dehydrated. I'm, me yeah. I'm mentally exhausted. My knees in clip. Uh, <laughs> fucking hell my knee hurts so I'm, I'm sitting there trying to bomb ma magazines but you're a tax on I went through the whole of PDT I didn't fire one round yeah I went through about 14-15 mags up, up to this point after you know using other people's and bombing up so I had to send I sent one this, this Lance Corporal Ogilvy I always remember him because I took him through basic training until he dislocated his knee. Uh, so I said, look, OG, go around all the troops uh, and get um, get an ammo state and make sure everyone's all right. But all around the inside of this little Hesco wall. He goes, off, so off he scuttles. Uh, I went to Smudge, right, go find somebody else, go get ammo because we're going to have to rebomb here. And while you're at it, get some fucking water mix. I'm yeah, fucking jaded here. And he's like, so he comes back. Gives me two bottles of water and every little. Yeah, yeah. Little... So I put one in yeah. my trouser pocket and I, and I, I tank one in one go. Oh, fuck. And he goes, uh, he goes, it's some ammunition. And then OG comes back and goes, oh, I've got nine extra bandoliers. 
I was like, nice one, I'll take that. I'll take that reserve. So I put these nine bandoliers on me. <laughs> just fucking... <laughs> Didn't think anything of it at the time, mate. And then... Full Rambo. It all kicked off again. I put the, uh, I put the top end where the Harriers were again. Because there's still another five dudes up there. Uh, so the boss sent up two jackals to go investigate. They got up onto the flight line. And on the flight line, between the sunshades and the actual flight line buildings, there's these massive 12-foot back-to-back blast walls. So if any, any of the planes had a munition failure, you know, they, they yeah. would have some board protection. Uh, so they got up into where these blast walls were, and they got contacted by um, these five dudes up there. Um, and knowing what we had just gone through over the last couple of hours, they, they thought, you know what, we're going to fucking extract and get back on the comms. So they got back onto back onto the JTAC. Uh, so by this stage, the Apache had gone back to Fob Price, and we had a Huey and a Cobra. I don't know where the Huey came from. I think it came from Bob Price. So we, the JTAC located them via the Predator feed and engaged them with the Cobra and the Huey gunship. Must have, yeah, they put a lot of rounds into them. Uh, I've seen the footage. Yeah, it didn't take an awful lot to make them not stop moving. Oh, but yeah. they, they, they were, they didn't, didn't do one, one, one gun run, they, they, they fired multiple run, runs. Uh, they didn't kill, only three of them were killed. No, four of them were killed. One was still alive, but he managed to scuttle away um, to another set of blast walls. And then the, the OC goes, right, we're going to have to go up and clear the flight line. And I was like, fuck me, that's like fucking 100 metres away. Yeah, and he goes, you know, you're up to this. I went, well, okay, of course I am. So again, I've now got I think I had about eight blokes and the boss took the other eight blokes. I, I, I purposely took smudge with me because I realized we're actually going to be a flight line. We're going to be open as fuck and the boss is going to clear the buildings. So we got into these drainage ditches either side of the main drag going up, up to where the flight line is on the peri, peri track sort of thing. And we had a ridgeback leading and then two jackals. JTAC, which was the DSC, and then another two jackals and the OC's TAC group. He goes, Right, I'll let you control it because you've got to, you know, we've got to fucking cut these fucking drainage ditches. And I was like, So off we go, trying to keep level with this jackal in the center of the road. And uh, then I realized I've got no antenna on my PRR because it had been shot off. And I was, I was wondering why I was struggling to get comms. Because but yeah. do you not hear that? I went, no, mate, I can't hear fucking look. I've got, I've got no fucking antenna. Half it's been fucking shot off. He goes, I'll, I'll, I'll relay comms here. And uh, so off we went. And we got about almost level with the, the Cobra debt. And I went, right, stop. I was like, fucking hell. I can't keep going up this hill. And then I realised, why am I carrying nine bandoliers of ammunition? That's fucking heavy. I was really starting to struggle. My knee was like twice the size. And I had a, an FFD around it. So I took the F- I cut the FFD off. I was like, right, you, you take them, take that fucking bandoliers. And off we went again. It was, it was a bit easier. So we went past the Cobra <laughs> Debt. We got in halfway between where the Cobra Debt is and where the American, where the, the ground attack aircraft are kept on the actual top end pan. Um, and there's like, there's some silhouettes 
on the high ground just to the left of us. And so much like, can you see that? I goes, yeah, they've got really round heads. They look like Americans. I said, you guys are right. He said, hey, man, yeah, what the fuck's going on? Like, Come <laughs> over here. Really like, no fucking way, man. I was like, well, fucking stay there then. So off we fucking, off we went again. Uh, like we got level, we got level with the flight line. And then the, the ditch, the drainage ditch turned 90 degrees, which is quite handy. So we managed to spread everybody out. I went to my boss. I went to the boss on the other side of the road, right? Get to the first building, hold, and we're then going to cross some of this. I think we had about 60 meters of really open ground to get to where the first blast walls are. I go, once we get there, we'll go, we'll go static. And then you go into the first building. He's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I looked at the guys and I went, right, uh, fan out at least two to three meters between each one. They're like, why is that? Because we're crossing open ground. We're not just seeing what we've gone through. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. And one of the guys has only just come back from r and He's like, fucking like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Let's go. He's one, of, he's one of the snipers, in fact. So he had his, he had his sharpshooter with him. The sniper su- support weapon back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we get get across his open ground, nothing. I was like, fuck for that. Because that's all I needed. And then the boss goes into the first build, first build, big building. And of course, if you've ever been inside the building, it's like a, a building, like got a metal frame exterior. But inside of it, they're putting all wooden walls to make mini little offices and working spaces. Yep. He goes, he goes, he said, it's fucking like amazing there. This is nuts. He comes back out the other side, out the other door. He goes, right, building one clear. So off we go. And we get to the blast wall where all these guys got franked by the air. Attack helicopters. So we kind of drew, we drew back about 20 meters and someone's just like, I said, what are we going to do? Is like, I don't care. Put two rounds into each of those bodies. I don't want them, one of them sitting up and setting something off. So we went down, put two rounds into each of them. Got to the end of this blast walls, they were massive blast walls. We went firm again. Then the boss went into the next building and it went really quiet and he come out the other end. I could, I could hear him. He goes, he goes, fuck me. It's like the Wild West in there. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, there's a fucking massive, massive blood trail, but there's no bodies. So that was the Harrier deck commander, Lieutenant Colonel Rabble. I can't remember his first name, top of my head. So when they when they come under attack, the bottom building uh, was the only building that had that complete six foot blast walls around it. Is at least they call that the, the Alamo. So if something happened in the flight line, that was their safety corner. They yeah, all yeah. Oh, yeah. To there. So he started getting his troops out there. And he turned around, took his, his issue um, service pistol, went outside, started engaging his insurgents, and then got hit by an RPG. He killed him instantly. So his troops dragged his body back inside uh, and then eventually got him into what they call the Alamo. That's why there's this massive blood trail. Yeah. And I was thinking, fucking hell, that, that's a bit nuts. Uh, Lots of blood, but no bodies. So off he went again. Boss cleared the next building and we got to the last blast wall. And we're right opposite the corner where all these US Marines, these flight line techies were. And I goes, hey, you, you okay? You know, he goes, yeah, the fuck are you? He goes, British QRF. He goes, hey, man, there's a dude over there. And I looked around the corner and I was like, oh, I'm fucking shooting. And he goes, oh, I, I, I can't see him. And I was like, oh, fucking God. And fucking just, just as I was about to fucking bring my rifle up, a jackal screamed up beside me. With one of my good friends, Joe Quigley, and he just let a burst into him from the front gun. But as he let the burst into the front gun, the guy was clearly killed instantly, but his hand dropped and a hand grenade rolled out his hand towards me. And I thought, fuck, no, 
I hope the fucking pins in that. <laughs> but it didn't go blank. How's that? Well, that's a, well, uh, well, there's something. Every cloud. And then you know, we cleared the rest of the flight line. We then went firm. Um, by this time, the whole squadron, bar one multiple, was now on Bastion on the flight line. It's almost like we were doing a live, pretty much a live squadron attack. You think, hindsight, you think back and you think, this is absolutely nuts. We're on a major yeah. ISAF base and we're doing a live squadron attack using attack helicopters. What is going on? <laughs> what the? And then, so the boss got us all into, a, into an O group. He goes, right, there's been no other contacts on the flight line. He goes, there's multiple enemy dead. There's multiple US casualties, and clearly... Not you've sustained a lot of casualties. Um, we're going to go for at daylight. We're then going to form an extended line, use our fire support vehicles, and we're going to sweep back down the airfield in daylight. That goes right, okay. So he went to the flight commanders and the other attack sergeants that were hit that one bastion. Goes right, go brief that to the troops. And I was just about to get up. He read docs uh, notes. Don't just don't stay. Uh, he goes okay. So all right, because I thought I was going to get told off here. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, Doc, fucking amazing fucking job. He goes, you've done your bit. Um, you're clearly struggling. The A post is getting set up down the other end of the airfield. I want you to go to the A post and get checked out. I was like, fuck, do I have to? He went, yeah, yeah. He goes, don't worry. I'll let James, your boss, know that you'll be back. I was like, fuck, do I? And uh, he goes, Berkey's going to take you. And I was like, where the fuck did you come from? He goes, oh, been told by the boss I've got to take you down to the A post because he, he knew well I wouldn't go. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I thought, fuck it, I'm not walking. I'm not walking away back down there. I just walked up from there. Oh, I fucking know where I'll make that. Um, oddly enough, this jackal ro roars up beside me, and it is um, it was Drew. So that's Doz's best mate. So Drew's a beef uh, corporal in beef flight. He's now a commissioned officer, and he's a top bloke. Yeah. So they took me down to the A-post. The A-post is getting set up pretty much where my fuck vehicles were when we got ambushed. And I was like, and it's now almost daylight. So I guess I'm like, like, dude, stop here. I'm going to get off here because I need to go get my day sack. Because uh, I had no intention of going to the A-post. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And Drew goes, all right, yeah, that's no bother. And I looked back up at Drew's vehicle and I went, Drew, what? He goes, what's out there? He goes, that's my 66. He goes, mate, I can see that. That would have been really fucking handy last night. <laughs> and, it, and it, it never occurred to me that I had it. I was like, yeah. fucking hell. I could, that would, because when these guys were held up, it was like an, an IDF bunker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An IDF bunker stroke smoking shower had cam nets over it. And, and it looked, he didn't know it was an IDF bunker because it's dark and it's got cam nets over it. So we had, I had no idea what it was. Not until the morning, really. Uh, so, uh, so we had a bit of a laugh about that and drew Fox off. Uh, and Berkey goes, right, you going to the A-post? I went, no, it's a million pounds worth of kit I've signed for here. I want to make sure it's all workable and none of it's fucking franked. So we start going that and it's got that pile of weapons. Oddly enough, none of the radios got hit. Wow. Only the weapon systems. I thought, yeah, that's a bit odd. As if it's by magic they knew I needed comms. Uh, <laughs> And then another vehicle pulls up about 25 minutes later, and it's the OC and the DOC. And the OC's like, What's that? So I'm going to say, What the fuck are you doing? Goes, I'm just checking all his kits there. You know, you can sign for it all. He goes, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about the kit. He goes, I'm not 
telling you to go to the DA post. I'm now ordering you. It's over there. Berkey, get into the A post. I'm ordering you to go to the A post. And I said, okay, why? I'll go to the A post. And I met up with my, one of my buddies, Flight Sergeant John Ross, who was manning the Alt CP that night. Yeah. Which is in the compound. Um, but the warrant officer, because we had that many casualties, we filled a ward up in roll three. Um, he was dealing with the casualty notification side of it. So John set up the A post. So I got there and I was, like, I was like, John, I've been sent, I've got to see the paramedic. He goes, we had a our squad and paramedic out with us. He goes, he's about somewhere, I'll, I'll go grab him, just grab a seat, a seat by that, by the Hesco wall. And I thought, fuck me, I sat there about four, three, four hours ago. We'll have to sit there again. So I sat there and uh, Ryan, the paramedic came up. He goes, you're right, old man. And I was like, I've had a better night. Yeah, goes, yeah I, I can see that. So, uh, Ripped open my my combats to expose the full length of my knee, and my knee was like twice the size. It was black and blue. I was black. I was covered in cordite. I was looking down, and I thought, on. I actually look a bit of a mess here." And he goes, "That's you. That's index for you." He goes, uh, "You can have to go to roll three because your knee looks fucked." As soon as he said that, all the adrenaline left my body, yeah. and I could I could physically feel myself going into shock because of what I'd been through. I, I was mentally physically and emotionally exhausted and then you know it started to hit me as soon as he said that you know you've got to go you're all free all the adrenaline just went left me and i could physically feel myself shutting down physically i, I, I really started to panic and he could see that and he's like he's like that's oh, hard we need to get into roll free we need a vehicle now and john come over and he saw that i couldn't even stand up i couldn't move i was like really gray and he's like "Fuck." So they threw me into the back of this um, foxhound and yeah. took me around to where the police flight line checkpoint was down by the ISY. Um, that's where that was a BFA meeting point for casualties. So I, I got there and of course everyone's waiting to say, well, who's coming out the next BFA? Who is it now? And so I got fucking carried out and then fucking, you know, I, I had all my stuff with me and, and my combats were ripped, covered in blood. I was, covered in fucking smoke and cordite probably looked a bit of a state fucking people like fucking hell what the fuck's going on because no one had a clue what was going on last year yeah i bet and i got thrown in the back of this bfa with his army medic and he goes what happened to you he goes uh, frag from an rpg he's like all right i'll put another bandage on it he goes please don't <laughs> please don't put another bandage on it no you put a bandage on it so he couldn't put it any tighter he tried uh, so fucking off we went round Bastion, got to roll three, and I you know when when you arrive in theatre as a commander, you always go round the major players. Um, so we went we had a the roll three tour, and I thought to myself, never going to come through this place, yeah, never going to see us again. But it's, it's nice to see. And here I am now in a cubicle with eleven people around me, with tough cut sitters cutting everything off me apart from the fucking shreddies, and I've. Yeah, I've got IV getting put into one arm. I've got another line going in the other arm. They're like, have you had morphine? They went, no. In went 25 milligrams of morphine. Have to say, it's fucking wonderful stuff. Oh, I was going to say, did you feel good? or? I did. Uh, I did feel pretty good. And then I went for ultrasound and an x-ray to make sure there's nothing left in my knee. Uh, and to be fair, most of it is just excessive swelling. You know, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've, 
had a little cut and a penetrating wound, but there's nothing left inside it. So they kind of just patched me up and they put me into a holding ward. So I'm sat in his wheelchair, a pair of flip flops, mm. a pair of shorts, and his t shirt on, and this casualty little injury bag that they give you. I'm still covered in cordite. I've got a fucking drip hanging up on this like thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm just sitting there, and Sky News is on. And I'm watching Bastion Complex Ground Attack on Sky News. So I think, wow, this is really weird. And I'm in an Aeromed ward because every other ward in Bastion is now full. And um, so I've got people like got, going back to, with broken fingers and I'm in, in this wheelchair. What's like, <laughs> the right state? And I was like, I was like, and I was really agitated. I, did, I didn't really want to be in there. Yeah. And then it occurred to me, I've not had a piss since half past eight the night before. Uh, and I really need to go to the loo. So I got attention on the nurses and God, yeah, sorry. We didn't even think of asking that. So they ruled me out to the toilets uh, out of this ward. And I thought, um, I need a hand here. <laughs> God, I could barely stand. <laughs> So they, they didn't come in with me, but they they helped me inside and uh, tried to piss. Then I looked in the mirror and I thought, holy fuck, that's the state of you. So, yeah. I tried to wash my face and I, I just gave up. I was like, I just, I was so exhausted. And I opened the door and I come back out. A word must have got round that I, I, I'd been involved in what was going on because it was like 20 people asking questions. I was like, I'd, <laughs> I didn't know where to look. I just looked at his nurse and could get me back in the wall, please. Yeah. Uh, leave me alone for a minute. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was really hard to compute. And I was in there for about an hour, hour and a half. And then the lights went on and people were starting to stir. Breakfast was coming in and I thought, this is really bizarre. And then it was like, oh, what happened to you? I've got, I've got a broken toe. I'm, I'm getting medivaced. I'm going back home. He's like, hmm. I thought really guys that back home might be in body bags, really. Yeah. So I didn't really want to engage them. And then one of them bumped in my leg because I couldn't, I couldn't bend my leg. And he walked straight into my leg and I was like, ah. And this fucking nurse come running in. She's like, oh my God, I've got to get him somewhere else. But as they turned and started wheeling me out, so I was going to, I was going to break this guy's neck. Um, Squadron Wallace had walked in the squadron client and goes, do you want to go up to your casualties? He goes, uh, uh, I was like, yeah, please get me out of here. Yeah. Uh, so off he goes. So this nurse starts pushing. Goes, I can't go all the way up to the board. You could, you, will you be able to? Oh, yeah, I'll, I will myself. I'll be all right. And the fucking warrant officer just fucking walked off. And I was like, I didn't know. I turned, I turned it on. I was like, I, I didn't know where the wards were. So I thought, fuck yeah. this. And I'm not going into the ward in a wheelchair because this lot was just going to rip the piss out of me if they see yeah. me in a wheelchair. So I start walking down this corridor in flip flops. I've still got this drip thing. And this nurse son comes to me, son, son, you need to get back into bed. I goes, well, I would if I knew where it was. It apparently it's in a wall down here. She went, oh, yeah, it's just down there. She says, oh, it's full. I goes, yeah, I know it's full. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I went in there and the first person I saw was um, uh, Gilly, Lance Corporal Gilligan. He, he, went into, he was in really deep shock after seeing the stars get hit. So I had a quick chat with him. He was just coming up in the ball. He was didn't really register what was going on. He didn't even know he was in a war with, with everybody else. He was just so withdrawn. And I thought, okay, all right. I'll come back to you later. I'll speak to you later, mate. And then I spoke to City. City's. He's the one 
with the RPG, the open door, yeah. the driver. Yeah. So, you know, his face was just carved open. His arm is all shredded. And of course, when you're, when you get injured like that in fear, they don't sew you up. What they do is they clean the, the room. They put a, like a, a cling film type dressing around it to keep bacteria and germs out. The reason they do that is when you go back to the UK, you go through reconstructive surgery. So to save opening up again, yeah, got you. the wound's yeah, already yeah. open because um, you get ready back really quick. But it wasn't until he got back to the UK when they started treating his face, they realised he took a, a round from an AK into his head, into his face. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, fucking, fucking hell. This is nuts. And then next to him was um, Sid, who got shot in the head in the helmet. So he's got like a couple of stitches in his head. And next to him was Ollie. He's, he, he took a lot of fright because he was a man in the 50 when the RPG hit. He was really agitated. Because next to him was this cubicle that has been screened off. And that was the only insurgent that survived. And he was, was in, in there the with you He was in the same ward as my troops. He, he got moved about 20 minutes later after I complained. Yeah, I was going to say that. I... Fucking hell. Imagine it. And Whose then, idea was that? I don't know. Then, uh, Across from <laughs> across from Ollie was a another guy, I can't remember who it was now. And next to him was Big Stoz, and I saw Big Stoz's leg and I was like, I wanted to be sick. Yeah. But I couldn't show that to Stoz, because Stoz is quite chirper. He was he was out of his face on drugs. They all were. They were all yeah, yeah. on really high pain relief. <laughs> As well, I was. And uh, Stoz was like, he goes, What do you think? I goes, No, you'd be all right. It's just a scratch. He's <laughs> uh, got a scratch. It was just, just a scratch. He goes, oh, he goes, it looks a bit messy. He goes, yeah, it'd be all right. The body repairs itself. <laughs> and then um, I went back and spoke to Gilly again. And then Charlie goes, right, I'm going to have to get you out of the hospital. Otherwise, they're going to want to keep you in. He goes, what do you mean? They let me out? He goes, yeah, yeah, I've wrangled it. <laughs> he goes, because there's, there's other casualties coming in. I was like, who is that then? And he started reeling off the names. And I was like, fucking hell, they're my lads. So Berkey was on his was coming in because his hearing was fucked. Timmy yeah. was coming in because he's fractured his ankle and he took Frank to his bollocks from a from a hand grenade. Ugg was coming in, he took some frag, and the list was just growing and growing. I was like, okay, right, get me out of here. So I got back to the squadron compound. And uh, I was like, oh, what am I gonna do? So I, I clean my weapon. I phoned home and I got told to go, because even though we, well, we had to cancel, we took American casualties, op minimizers in place. Yeah, I was going to say op minimizer, yeah. But, you know, you, you can go through Whitehall and get a direct dial number. So the, the, the warrant officer is like, right, phone, phone your missus because they've already been around, phone and tell her you're all right. I was like, yeah, okay. So I had a quick phone call with her. She was like, I'm seeing it on the news. What's going what the on? Fucking hell. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't deal with that at the time. I was like, yeah, what's that? I still pretty smacked out made more things like yeah no i'm all right the troops are all right no one's really badly hurt uh, all fatalities are american and she went oh, okay 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 so don't believe everything you hear in these she's like I go, i've got to go because i'm minimizing she's like okay i'll speak to you it's whenever okay cool put the phone down and then the clerk um kerry come in she goes oh, i've made you a cup of coffee i was like what i say yeah. I'd rather have a cup of tea. I never drink. I never drunk tea at that point. But still, suddenly, I wanted a cup of tea. All she's of a sudden, me. you went full British and was like, "I need a cup of tea." <laughs> she's she a cup of sweet tea, and I was like, oh, "That's heavenly." 
I've drunk tea ever, ever since. And the, the rest of that day was, it was just the usual, um, trying to have a bit of normality, yeah. trying to eat because all the messes were shot because everything was shot for about 24 hours. Uh, It was a really weird day. And then obviously that night we got IDF'd again and the whole world just erupted again. And I remember some little scrope bag coming in because that was about half past six, half past seven at night. And I'd only just managed to fall asleep. Been my hand slept for about yeah. almost 24 hours. I was physically exhausted. I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't switch off. It's too much going around my head. Yeah, Should yeah. I have done this? What if I'd done this? Yeah, hindsight is a great thing, but I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Don't what if I'd done this? What if yeah, I'd exactly. been there at a different time? So yeah. I'm not long falling asleep in this little little scrope bag. We're getting IGF, running another ground attack. I was like, oh, fucking hell, not again. So and I was still dressed. I got back in his uniform. So I hobbled across to the compound. And I met, met up with JR. And Gilly had been released from hospital in the afternoon. And the some bright fucking spark had made him Yon Base Curet Commander. Because with that depleted of manpower. Yeah, yeah. And he'd gone straight back into shop again. So John had grabbed him. I went, look, I'll take the cure. He goes, sure, because no, I'll take the cure. So off we went, there two vehicles. We went down to the sea jock. And I took one of the juniors in with me. So I got through the outer door of the sea jock, then got into the sea jock itself. They're all around the big bird table at the back. Yeah. And, uh, the OC, the wing car, and the DC, the squadron one of and one of the um, United States Marine Corps commanders. And they all just looked at me. As if I was mad. I was like, fucking what? You've all seen me before. They're like, no, no. Why are you here? He's one of the QRF commander. And the OC is like, no, 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 no. Get him back to the compound. He's done this bit. No. Get him. So <laughs> taken back by the warrant officer and the junior took over to QRF. And I was like, for the second time in two days, I felt like I was, I was a naughty schoolboy again. Yeah, yeah. In the same day, I was like a naughty school schoolboy. And I got put in the compound and I had someone watching over me. Like he's not to leave the compound. He's not to go anywhere. I was like, yeah. and John coming is you're right. He goes, I'm just, I'm probably just, I've got nothing left. Yeah. And he goes, right, okay. So we we chat for a bit, and then he goes, um, you can have to stay here all night. I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so I didn't sleep that night either. And then uh, clearly, the following day, Bastion had returned back to normality you know air ops were running again the united states marine corps decided to fly in another nine nine harriers huh, two days later because as they did they, they got that they did a massive show of force to say that yeah yeah you may have destroyed our ground attack fleet here's another one yeah uh, exactly flight line took a bit of clearing up but life and bashing kind of reverted back to normality um so yeah so we took 11 uk casualties and the Americans took seven casualties and two KI. One was the other one was a Sergeant Bradley Atwell, who was probably one of the only US, US Marines to lead some form of counterattack and got shot down, cut mm. and died sustained to his injuries on the battlefield. Uh, that was the two American casualties. But you know, infrastructure-wise, they lost all the Harriers. They lost a C-130. They lost another plane that was on the pan. Fuel bladders, you know, there was about 250 million pounds worth of damage, probably more than that. You, you, you think what the planes actually cost, 
so yeah, that, that's that's kind of the short story of Fast Mate. There's loads of other bits to it, but you know, it's yeah. But even <laughs> even even that short short story, it's like what it annoys me now knowing the full ins and outs. Well, not the full ins and outs, but the 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 version that you've just said there of the ins and outs that people have the audacity to then say that they took their body armor off and shot it to say that they were involved in the in the who, battle. Who, who, who who would do that? Exactly. Who who would even think to do that? And I, I clearly yeah. didn't know or understand. I, I wouldn't what. let anybody have put that notion to it. Well, you know, if you think back, you know, to you know, um, on Herit nineteen where we had fifty-eight of us and we had the Gatsby yeah. incident with a pistol. I mean, that's mm. that's that's stupidity level. Um, I would never tolerate anything like that on my flight. And you know, shit like that is crazy. Yeah. You know, I don't have to go out and big up what we do. We're, we're very good at what we do. You know, I've, I've proved that. You know, we, we, we can retake an airfield. Yeah. You know, I, I can deal with multiple casualties that are on the verge of, you know, if you think back to it, I had 16 people in QRF. I took a 75% calorie rate. Mental. Yeah, that's a, that's the same attrition as unit on D Day. Yeah, yeah, but that's really high. Yeah, you know, and the guys that got Kazivaks out to UK was three corporals, a lance corporal, and SAC. So I've lost thirty percent of my command element. Yeah, way more than that because you know my ex- two of my most experienced junior NCOs got Kazivak back to UK. Hence why Robbo come out as a BCR to my flight. Yeah, um. um what I think what frust- frustrated the other call signs was because we were so depleted in manpower on my flight and we had to wait for BCRs. They decided, okay, well, we're just going to fix everyone in place. So we had to stay on camp for another two weeks. So my lads that were on Merc, who were stuck in a Merc compound, just watching all this go on, whatever like that, they felt really bad. Well, yeah, I bet they did. Um, so yeah, we, had, we did a bit of rotating and I got to catch up with some of the others and, and what Merc experienced because they got a lot of over- stuff over flying their way. It must have been. Um, it's obviously the lads with, with a with an incident, any sort of incident, they go through some sort of trim sort of training. Yeah, to, um, to talk about that. I, that must have been really difficult, considering the vast amount of casualties of, and and people involved. Yeah, so none of my guys actually went through trim because none of them wanted it. Um, yeah. The casualties in the hospital, that, that's totally different. You know, they, they go for a, a different form of treatment, yeah, of course, um, yeah. go for Headley Court and stuff like that. Um, I, I had actually trimmed a lot of guys on that tour off Mert because they've seen yeah, yeah, you see it, yeah. triple amputees. You've got your hand up inside someone holding a main vein, stopping bleeding out. Um, we, we trimmed a lot of people on that. We, off, none of our guys got trimmed from that night because none of them wanted it. What we, what we did do is we sat down as a team, we talked about it. Yeah. Shared our experiences with the others who could, who were really unlucky enough to watch from Merton, felt really uncomfortable about that because they couldn't do anything. Um, so we all shared that as, as a group, and we got through it as a group. Yeah, that, that's 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 good to know. That and that, that's that. how we dealt with it, because um, you know, those of us who are there were, were in that that thick end of it all know exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, we don't go out of our way to advertise that fact, you know. 
when someone's saying to me, oh, yeah, but you're a miniature cross recipient. He goes, yeah, well, it's not for me. It's a team award. You know, it's not just me. There's a whole team behind me. It's just someone gets recognised because someone thinks I did a really gallantry act. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Uh, but in my eyes, you know, that's a team award. And everything that's been comes out of that from the Millies to other stuff that I've been given, you know, in my eyes, all that, mate, that's all in a team award, you know, because it's not just me. Yeah, I get, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I would never shy away from that fact because I always stand up for the troops that put their lives on the line. Because mm. to me, that's really important. You know, it's not about me. Uh, I, I was just in, in that fortunate position where I got a military cross, I got a mention of dispatches, Smudge got a CNC commendation. Uh, I've recommended other people like Big Luke Firth, I recommended him for a gallantry war. Um, didn't get it. Mm. Wasn't even looked at. Um, which is a shame, but he knows what he did. And then, and he's yeah. gone on to bigger and better things. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we still share those experiences. We still catch up now and again. Whether that's on Facebook or in a pub somewhere randomly where you meet people in the UK. You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing now? Because I want to have a beer. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah, it's uh, is what it is. In my eyes, it's it's a team award. It's not it's not an individual award. Well, that's good. I like I like that. And you know, you get you get some that it is everything about them. That that's that, that's what they want to talk about. And then you get others that are very humble. And you, well, you tend to find that most people, when it when it comes down to any sort of gallantry effort, are very humble. Yeah, yeah. Um, some some use it to the advantage, some don't. Um, I found it a hindrance. Because hmm. um, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you need to take this post in. You need, you need to go you know, you need to go to Jay's and teach J-Rocks. No, I don't. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, I, I just want to do my core job. You know, just because I've got a gantry or doesn't make any different. You know, doesn't change who I am. You know, yeah, there's a sense of pride that goes with that, don't get me wrong. Um, it's a sense of pride for my troops, my unit, you know, my cat badge that I wear, but it doesn't mean I want to do certain jobs just because I've got it. Yeah. Because um, that's not that's not me. That's one of the reasons why I got out, because I was, they kept trying to give me, oh, you, they, you know, you got that, you go this route, go, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I left. No, that's, that's fair enough. That's and that and age is creeping up on me. Uh, oh, well. It's hard when you're 52 trying to keep up with an 18-year-old. Well, you're doing your best, I'm sure. <laughs> I've, I've always got, managed to get in a position where I'll, yeah, I'll put on the high vis as a flight so and I'll, I'll be the rear marker, make sure all the troops and anyone in front of me yeah. is in this shit. Anyone's behind <laughs> me is in this shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah they, it doesn't, as you get older, you have to work four times as hard to keep up with a 20-year-old. Because they're naturally fit. Our bodies, you get to that age and, you know, I've, I've been through some traumatic stuff, picked up a few injuries and, and thinking, yeah, I can't, can't sustain that. Because uh, yeah. you're working twice as hard. Yeah. And your body can't take that. Because you, as you naturally get older, your body starts to change. Yeah, well, of course, of course, yeah. And, uh... and mentally, it it's, um, was a challenge because you're thinking, I can't I do what I want to do because they yeah. won't put me in that role. And I found that really frustrating. Oh, you've got to stay in the training post. Why? Well, because you've got the experience. 
Surely my experience is needed elsewhere as well. Yeah. But on the flip side of that is, I know how well our command structure is trained. And I would expect anyone else or the others that are in that position that I held would, would have done exactly the same as what I did. Yeah. On the night, you know, none of us would have shied away from anything. You know, we're there to do a job. Of course That's not. what we're trained to do. And, you know, I said it multiple times to, to people because when it's shit in the fan, you go into autopilot mode, you just go with the flow because that's what you're trained to yeah, do. Yeah. Well, you yeah, just, you resort, resort to default, don't you? you go we're we're to trained training. to react that way. You would, yeah. We're trained to deal with complex s- situations, granted, not on that scale. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting multiple casualties and have, having to deal with attack helicopters and frag vehicles and frag troops left, right and centre. But, you know, right. that's on the verge of being overwhelmed, which it was almost overwhelming. But, you know, I had to keep my cool because the troops look up to you. They, yeah. they expect you to, to get you through that. Because, um, you know, I remember at the start of the tour, like, I, you give this, you give the, the boss gave the speech, yeah, everyone's going to be alright. I was like, right, don't listen to the boss. I can't guarantee you're all going to go home. Yeah. I can't guarantee you're all going to be in one piece. But whatever happens, I will do my best for all of you. And you know, mm. that's how you get the respect. You can't, you can't make guarantees. Well, life no, isn't good no. like that. No, you can't. No, definitely not. Definitely and you've only got to look at the serious casualties we took and some of the losses we took over the years on ops um, that you can't make those statements like that. No, no exactly. exactly. It's um, a false statement. But there you go, mate. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the... I don't call it the Battle of Bastion. I call it the Complex Attack. The Complex so Attack. I don't yeah. like the term. Who, who, get, who gave it the title of Battle of Bastion? No, I, 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 someone in the wing headquarters, probably. Yeah, someone did, and they thought, that sounds really cool. And then it's like... Because I remember a couple of days after that, I had to do a press interview for BFBS because it was such a big thing. Yeah. In fact, I did one for Sky News. I did one for BBC. I was like, why am I getting involved out? <laughs> and, uh, the, and You must have got that, a lot uh, of crates. There must have been a fair few crates you had to get in for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm still getting crates. I'm still getting crates. Um, <laughs> I was at... Uh, um, I got an invite to Kaz's Gantry dinner last year. Yeah, uh, the second year in a row, and uh, I got created for that just for getting an invite. <laughs> well, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, I still get created. Um, but I remember the, the girl from from BFBS. This is like only a few days after it, and she's like, "So, uh, how do you feel about being the hero of the Battle of Bastion?" I was like, <laughs> "What? Oh God!" I was like, I'm just doing my job. I don't, I don't see myself as a hero. I'm doing what I'm trained to do. And she's like, "Oh no." I'm not. Is that right? We have to pause it there. Right. You can have to word that better. It's like, oh, right. like fuck off. No. Where did you, is that? And afterwards, I was like, where did you get the Battle of Bastion from? She was like, oh, she heard it in a message from someone. So, you know, it, Battle the Battle of Bastion. And it's, well, yeah, it's always been referred to that. So that's why I never yeah. refer to, the book will never be referred to as the Battle of Bastion. It's, that's why it's going to get called into the darkness. So for me, I was going into the darkness. I was going into yeah, the unknown. That, that's, that's, that's better. That's better. The but, um, always makes me chuckle that mate always makes me chuckle yeah and I, and I do make reference to that in someone's someone made a comment about it it's in the book about where the battle of bastion came from but there we go we we did officially have the battle of bastion in his words from doc that was uh, and mate, it's been a pleasure definitely and i won't take up any more of your time i know you gotta go um but 
yeah, for those that are listening, that is what took place with the Battle of Bastion. And it was. Anybody wants worse. to come back in that, just put point in my way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will do. And yeah, mate, what a story. And well, thank you for your service on those on those days because it could have been a lot worse. Likewise, mate. There's probably a lot of people would probably say the same for you. You know, I know what it's like. Were the position that you're in the siege ops, so I've relied heavily on the signalers. So yeah, mate. Respect goes to you as well. You've been there. I I appreciate it, and yeah, genuinely, thanks for your time. And uh, I'll let you know when this comes out, and I can pass you the link and do what yeah, you want to do with it. it. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, anyway. yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, reading your <laughs> book when it's finally out. Yeah, I'm let, looking forward to seeing what comments get put against it. Well, let me know when it's out, and I'll uh, I'll plaster all over Granite Zero's. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll stick a mention about the podcast in it, mate. Ah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You have a good Thank evening. You, Enjoy the rest Thank of your you time. Soon. Catch you in a bit. Cheers. Hello. You're at the adverts, so don't turn off. Don't turn off because I've got some good stuff for you. First up, going to talk about our sponsors. Kent CBD is our first sponsor. Now, CBD oil, as you know, has tremendous benefits, especially within mental health and physical health. Personally, I use it to help with my anxiety and my depression. But not only that, I also use it to help with the aches and pains of life in my joints, especially my ankles and my knees. Um, But yeah, without CBD oil, I would have still been on my antidepressant tablets, which I'm no longer on. So, you know, every cloud. And what we're going to do here at Granite Zero is we're going to give you 10% off everything from oil, muscle rub, jellies, bath salts, the lot. Yeah? Make sure you get in there. www.kentcbd.org. Put in the promo code Granite Zero and get yourself 10% off. You are welcome. But also, if you're like me and you love... A nice cup of coffee. Now, for me, I only drink one coffee, and that's Green Beret coffee. Now, I don't only drink it because it's out of this world fucking coffee. Roast to order, grinded to whatever specific grind you want. But not only that, it's veteran-owned and veteran-run, which, you know, hits me right in the feels. So make sure you check it out, Green Beret Coffee. Get yourself a nice cup of coffee. I drink it dark, just like my soul. Incredible stuff, incredible stuff. And what I'm going to give for you, I'm going to give you 10% off. So once you get to the checkout, once you've got all your coffee, your products, your apparel, whatever you need, get to the checkout and put in the promo code GZPODCAST10 and get yourself 10% off, courtesy of the Granite Zero Podcast. You are welcome. Now, that's enough of me talking about this stuff. Back to the regular scheduled show. Check it out!